Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. Today on the show, I had my good friend Matei Toke, the CEO of Bitcoin.com. Oh no, I know. But take a listen to the show because you're going to be very surprised and intrigued. Matei and I have known each other for many years. He was the founder and CEO of Bitcoinist before he started working with Roger at Bitcoin.com. And so I knew that once he went over there, I'd be able to, to continue to have a good debate and good conversation with, with a friend of mine who's on the inside and someone who can explain to me the thoughts and views of the other side, especially during the whole Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin, you know, debates and everything like that. And it, so when, when Matei told me that he became CEO of Bitcoin.com, I said, I need to have you on the show right now. We talked about some things that no one has ever known before. And I don't just say that lightly. This is an epic show. I'll talk to you guys just in a moment. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, BitPay, for making today's episode possible. We'll hear more about them later on in this episode. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them, and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the BlockWorks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, check them out at BlockWorksGroup.io. That's BlockWorksGroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. Matei Toke, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Congratulations on your um, promotion to CEO of Bitcoin.com. Thank you so much, Charlie, for having me in the show. Um, it is great to be here. What's so funny is that, um, you know, you've been around so for a long time, right? And so you, it, it's kind sure. of funny that over the years, you know, like, you know how when the press would incorrectly say, yeah, the CEO of Bitcoin, the CEO, and we would say like in the community, we would joke like there's no CEO of Bitcoin, right? Now people are going to think that you're the CEO of Bitcoin. It's not their fault. Yeah, as a, as a matter of fact, you're right. Um, I remember when we when we first set up uh, Bitcoin.com, we ha- we got like hundreds of emails every single day from from people who had you know who had nothing to do with Bitcoin.com or any of our yeah. service or any of our products and just email us. Hey, I can't get into my account. Where's my Bitcoin? Um, hey, uh, you know, I sent this transaction. I need you to, you know, it was by mistake, and I need you to return it for me. <laughs> like, I remember that we had um, we had the support system set up with uh, with these can responses where we said, well, you know, Bitcoin.com is is uh, is not responsible for any of your transactions. There's no way we can do about it. And Bitcoin.com is sort of like Gold.com, um, just like Gold doesn't have to do anything with with gold.com doesn't have to do with gold bitcoin.com has nothing do it's a jewelry website actually it's it's pretty smart um and so we we had to send the people it's like hey we you know we have nothing to do we can't do anything we can't reverse your transactions and you know we're not in charge of this so um but um yeah i mean it is what it is if you know people still need a lot of education so you got you got involved in the space um, very early. You launched Bitcoinist. Um, tell us your whole story. A lot of people, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people know you, but at the same time, 
um, your work has overshadowed you. Um, and so, um, I'd like to talk about you today. Um, and then we could talk about like, you know, what you're working on at Bitcoin.com and, and things that, you know, that you're excited about in the future. But, um, where are you from? And I mean, I know some of these answers, but how did you get started in crypto? Where'd you learn about, about Bitcoin? Why'd you get interested in it? And, and how'd you end up, you know, launching your company and, and t- take us away? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I first heard about Bitcoin in 2012, um, end of 2012, um, and um, just just like many other people, um, I got really fascinated by the technology. Um, and it was right it was right around the time um, when the Cyprus crisis happened. Actually, I think the crisis happened a little bit later in 2013. I remember that. And um, and there were a couple articles um, um, online about what's happening in Greece, what's happening, you know, in Cyprus, and how people are are uh, losing their trust towards the government and government taking over some um, some private bank accounts and whatnot, and how a lot of people are are turning uh, um, to save their fortune to Bitcoin. And I was you know I was sitting home thinking, okay, what kind of amazing money um, this can be that no one can literally confiscate and you're in you're in complete control of your money or complete control of your finances so that's when i started to read more about it and sure enough like we're talking about 20, 2013 sure enough i found out about mining and how the whole you know uh industry worked and how whole the underlying technology was behind bitcoin and you know i said to myself this mining is 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 amazing i really like it um i wanna i wanna mine bitcoins so I got together with a friend of mine and, and also with my dad, as a matter of fact, and we started to, uh, to look into mining machines. And we read, we didn't want to jump the gun, so we read a bunch of articles about the, the current mining machines that were out there on the market. And you know, sure enough, we found out that most, most of these mining machine manufacturers are delaying their shipments or they are just, you know, taking pre-orders and then God knows when you are going to be receiving your mining machine. And by the time you receive the mining machine, the hash rate is going to go up so much that, you know, you're going to be just running after your money to get to ROI. Yeah, but why were they, were they delaying their shipments because they were mining with them? Because a lot of them ended up doing that. Or were they delaying shipments because just they couldn't get their, you know, their whole well, uh, supply you know, chain Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's both. Some companies were, were mining, mining with it. Like even after they've gotten the order, they were still mining and delaying the shipment for a couple months, which those couple months were the best for, you know, any buyer. Right. And then other companies were, were just receiving so much and had, you know, technical difficulties, um, or they weren't able to, um, you know, to fulfill the production, uh, demand. I mean, you remember Butterfly Labs, uh, and, and there were like a bunch of other companies that, you know, that have gone busted because of that. Anyways, long story short, we never ordered anything other than one Butterfly Labs machine for like, I don't know how many BTC, but we figured that, um, we would rather buy mining chips and have someone else to to create the board for those mining chips. And so we managed to buy mining chips and shipped it to a guy in Germany who then put together the mining boards for us and basically was like a custom-built mining machine um, that we were running in the basement. And so we did a couple of cycles because, you know, the mining machines get outdated and the hash rate goes up so much that you need new ones. And that's when, that's when I, I thought, well, you know, this is, this is a risky business. Uh, 
you never know how the ma mining machine is going to perform. We had issues with heating. And that's when I decided, you know, that I wanted to do something else um, around crypto. And that's when I co-founded Bitcoinist. And I said, well, you know, maybe there isn't so much of a risk in, in media and in news. And I'm so glad you got into you got into the media business as well. And 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 by the way, congratulations for this amazing show, Charlie. Uh, Media business is, is hard, though, but thank you. Oh, it is. It is hard. I mean, now you know, right? <laughs> uh, and so I got into that and then built uh, built Bitcoinist, and that's when I got to know most of you guys because I was I was flying across the world and and meeting people at, at different conferences, trying to you know trying to push my business forward, trying to tell them what what I do, what the business is doing, and. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, the rest is, is really history, um, you know, from, from that point on. Um, but yeah, fast, for, fast forwarding it to, to where I'm at today, uh, Bitcoinist was a successful, successful venture, but I wanted to be something, I wanted to be part of something bigger. And that's pretty much when Roger, um, when I got to know Roger and when I got to know about Bitcoin.com and, um, and that's when that's when I decided to to join Roger and be be part of something something bigger. Um, and I still I still had Bitcoinist, by the way. So I was still working on Bitcoinist, but then I already started to work on on Bitcoin.com. Was it your brother or something who took it over? No, actually, um, I I was still working on it, and then uh, and then I sold it. And the guy who bought it from you kept kept writing. I remember I kept reading, and, and then you ended up doing like a redesign. So it's nice to see that, like when you sell your company, that they keep you know doing what you were, were doing yourself. I mean, it's right? it's it's up to today. It's still a super successful company. It's 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 yeah. one of the it's one of the most respected you know news outlets since like 2013. It, um, is. it has really taken on. So I'm I'm you know on on one hand I'm super happy to see it. On the other hand, I'm kind of sad that I'm I'm not part of it like maybe i should have just kept like some small part of the equity just to say yeah you know i still have some interest in it but you know that's life i, I moved on and um that's okay well you learn you'll you'll have another opportunity down the road where you're going to own a company and you're going to sell it and then you won't make the same mistake not mistake but you you'll make a different decision and then you say to yourself look if i didn't make the decision on the smaller deal and i didn't make that mistake or whatever then how would i have learned to do it the right way this time I mean, that's how, how, how I kind of look at those decisions, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, back in the day, it was, it was a pretty, uh, important decision in my life. Um, you know, that was the first exit I have ever made. Right. So I, I basically co-founded that company from nothing. I just, you know, with a little bit of money and, and the exit was, the exit was great for me. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make sure that I have some, I have something that actually, you know, that's going to be there forever. Right. Um, and, and that's when I, I, I started to, um, invest into real estate a little bit more heavily because, you know, as much as I believe in crypto, uh, we, we can all see our portfolio, our crypto portfolio go up and down. And, and one day, you know, it's, you're extremely happy. The, the other day it's like one third of your total crypto portfolio is gone. Um, and did, I definitely, did you learn the to, hard way? Like, did you, did you have, did you had, build up a, a crypto portfolio and then you know you've been around a lot of bull and bear markets did you like learn that kind of like the same thing with with bitcoin is with the equity that mistake did you learn did you have a hard time did, did you lose a bunch of money on a drop that made you think this way because i i think the same way too um i i never i never lost a lot of money but i never 
but I also didn't make the right exit decisions all the time. I've made mm. some really great exit dis- exit decisions from from my per- portfolio's perspective, but you know, you never really know what the future holds. And um, I think I, I I did a pretty good job to you know to hold on to my crypto. But I also, on the other hand, made sure that I spent my crypto because I I always thought that spending crypto was also part of the whole game, part of the whole situation. Like. You know, just the other day, I, I found some uh, some screenshots of my computer when I bought something on Purse.io. Um, I bought an iPhone with 30% off, and I yeah. paid 1.6 BTC for that iPhone. <laughs> and I bought a DJI drone for 2.7 you know, BTC. That's like 20, 2016, I think. Uh, do you think and- that um, Do you think that that Bitcoin success is also uh, one of the things that uh, hindered it? early on. And what I mean by that was because Bitcoin became successful so early, you know, the things like you're talking about, like spending, um, a lot of people, because the value of Bitcoin went up, a lot of people look at that and say, I don't want to spend my Bitcoin anymore. And because people were changing the narrative saying, I don't want to spend my Bitcoin. I'd rather like save and hold it. That kind of led to the fueling of that fork in narrative. Do you, you, did that, did that, you think I anything to do with it or, or no? I think that's just a, a little group of people. So uh, some some people in the industry who who are who've been here for long enough only look at the small picture, and and we sometimes I'm including myself at, at some at sometimes like we forget to think the big picture. Like the the amount of people you're you're referring to, in my view, are likely. Mm-hmm maybe a couple thousand people like how's that compared to billions like a of vocal people, minority yeah you know all over the world and and you know we keep fighting about things over and over again but you know don't forget it like we are talking about just a couple thousand people fighting over something like the big picture is is not this one right so yeah those those couple thousand people um you know held on to their crypto because they didn't want to spend because they were speculating that it would go higher but on the other hand like there were thousands of other people who who spend their crypto among myself um to buy stuff like a you know DJI drone for 2.7 bitcoins and if you do the math um you know if i were to hold on to it and sold it at $19,000 like then yeah. i'm talking about you know close to an $80,000 drone or $60,000 drone um but you know it is it is what it is like i think i think money is we we have to look at money as something that we use every single day and we need to spend money every single day um but that's that's really about you know sort of the fights that we have within the industry versus you know medium of exchange or store of value but i don't think it's or and I think that unfortunately a lot of people like in a naive way on all the spectrums like planted their feet and took sides when there was no reason. And, and honestly, and honestly, dude, like a lot of the conversations I have uh, and I, and you know, the show I've had people on, on all sides. So I, you know, I've had on the show, professor, I mean, Gunsira, I've had, um, you know, I've had like Charlie Lee and I have Jameson, you know, and then I have, I have, you know, I have Samson Mao on the show, you know, I have everyone on, 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 from, from, from Blockstream to and I have you on the show. And it seems like the common denominator dude is like, Sides were never needed to, ha- to be taken. It, it was stupid. Uh, and I, I'm trying to get to the bottom of like why sides, like why that, why people looked at it like political parties. And that should have never happened because 
it was always a technolo- technological, uh, not problem, but it was always like an advancement that, that things could have been worked out, but that's, you know, neither here nor there, you know, things are different now. Um, but it's interesting. And so that's kind of like why I'm asking, and I'm always trying to get to the bottom of it, um, that sides never needed to be taken. I mean, um, I wish that was the case, but unfortunately it wasn't right. So I think that those sides really started to materialize when, when the, the New York agreement blew up, um, you know, yeah. from that, from that, from that moment. That's my opinion too. That's right? my so opinion I, too. I think that was, that was, that was the moment when, when it really went south. But going um, back to the money question for a second, before, before, before the political part, cause I think it's broken down into like political, uh, economic, and then, and then social, and they're very different things. So, so back to the economic part of it, I think you're right. And you said something very interesting. I really want you to expand on. Um, and that is that it's not everything, right? It's not Bitcoin money is forget Bitcoin for a second, right? Like, what did you say? You said money is something that we use everyday life. Continue that thought because that's so true. And the reason that's true is because money is not one thing. It's not a store value or a payment system or a, you know, digital cash. It's gotta be everything at the same time. Is that what you were alluding to? Yeah. I mean, look, the money that we use every single day is, you're right. It's it's a store of value and it's a medium of exchange. We, you know, this this is something that you know that has been around for a very very long time. And and when I you know when I looked at Bitcoin in the early days, I you know I looked at it as as peer to peer money, right? Um, a money that's yeah. um, that's uncensorable, that's fast, that's cheap, that's reliable. And it's an amazing form of money, um, and I can be my own bank, right? So anyone who has had experience with banking, anyone who has had experiencing with, uh, you know, wealth, they all understand that you know it is a risky situation where you have a bunch of money in the bank. Uh, you know what's what's going to happen if that bank goes bankrupt? Uh, where al- where else will you store your money? Like I mean, you can't just have a pile of money stored in, in your safety deposit box home. Um, if you think about if you think about crypto as money, you know that's that's the best that's the best scenario for anyone that can have because it can be a store of value and it can be a medium of exchange. It can be both. And you can be in full control. You can spend it every day. Um, and yeah, I know a lot of people, you know, tell me that, well, but how can it be, you know, how can I rely on it if it goes up and down in value? But, you know, yeah. those, those arguments are unfortunately um, true because it hasn't gotten to a point where its, where its value could have been stabilized. And I think yeah. if it if it were to get to that level where you know hundreds of millions of people would have been using it, it would have you know stabilized a lot more. You grew up in 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 Hungary, correct? Yeah, Hungary has an interesting uh, relationship with money, um, and I'd like uh, I'd like for you to explain to me if you can. Um, Hungary still uses its own cu- its own currency, not not the EU, even though it joined the EU like sixteen years ago. In your opinion, like I can, I can Google why I can Google it, uh, and I'm sure I can find some good answers. But in, the, in 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 terms of like the socioeconomic, 
Do you think like on the ground, your friends and family that you grew up with, is there is there like a different feeling towards money and value than there is in other countries like where you live now? So, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, correct. Hungary uses its own currency. It's called the Hungarian foreign. Um, and um, we're part of the EU, but we're not part of the of the of the um, euro um, when it comes to the currency. Um, I mean, I have my opinions on, on Hungary and eventually on, on, on the politics here. Um, I wish Hungary, I, I wish Hungary was using the Euro, but unfortunately, you know, that's, that's not the case. Uh, that really shows that the country is, uh, is, is not really, you know, stable and rock solid from, you know, from that perspective, which is really, you know, uh, sad for me to see. Um, while you know there are other countries um, in in our neighboring uh, in our neighbors uh, like uh, Slovakia that that's using that's using the euro. So it was really it was really a a big fail from from the government, um, and and it's part of the political fights that we have here in Hungary. And actually, like political fights are all over the world, as a matter of fact. But I mean, it's it's just. The political landscape and how the you know the acting the acting government is is handling the situation on a lot of matters from a dictatorship perspective, from a stealing perspective, um, really made me to uh, to love anarchism and anarchists even more. When um, were you first exposed to that? I think when I first when I first started to hear stories about how the government is stealing money, um, so the way they are doing it is eventually every every country, every EU member country gets money from the EU, right? And in order to in order to get that, you need to present certain projects to the EU. Um, infrastructure projects in most cases, like you know, I want to build a new highway, I want to build a new um, subway um, line or whatever, um, and and you know those cases are being presented to the EU, and then they vote on it, and then eventually they they send the they send the money to to the country, and then what happens next? They need to find a contractor that is going to be you know executing the work. Now, you know, guess what? The contractor is usually the friends of the government, right? So uh, you know, other rich guys who own constructor companies okay you know what i can do that highway okay i can do that subline subway and at the end of the day the money there's always a backdoor deal and then the money comes back to the politicians who are you know who put those companies into that place to make that construction yeah and it's all like is, a revolving circle exactly. there's a word and, for it and you know this is a coal country this is a small country with like eight million people and with with a capital city of three million roughly and and you know word gets around um and and i started to hear these stories and i have people who work you know with with some of these guys um and i mean i just found this i just find this disgusting like i there are like a lot of stories floating around like how they do it but, you know this happens this happens in a lot of other countries too but to be 
you know, to be so close to it and living in a country where, you know, the healthcare system is really in terrible shape and, and, uh, you know, the road infrastructure is not so great. And, and yet I know how many billions of dollars are being, are being, you know, stolen. It really just, you know, disgusts me. Uh, but I guess maybe that's it from, from the political end. But, uh, you know, that really describes, um, the, doc- the dictatorship, um, and, and the way, politicians really think about, you know, our country. So, you know, BitPay has been a super long-term sponsor of Untold Stories and actually one of my favorite companies in the space. I've been using them forever since 2014. I've been using my BitPay debit card and I love it. I have actually had two of them at this point because I use it so much. Anyways, BitPay is launching their newest program. It's super cool. No one knows any details about it except for me and now except for you. It's still in stealth mode right now. But we've arranged that my listeners can get early access to their newest card program. So check it out. The first 100 people to sign up will get it literally free. All you have to do is go to bitpay.com forward slash Charlie. There's no catch. Go to bitpay.com forward slash Charlie. I've been using this product for years. This is the newest update. Everything about this product will beat the competitor on the market. Fees, limits, beautiful, sexy, little, sleek card. Everything about it is amazing. No one else has this opportunity except for you right now listening to this. BitPay.com forward slash Charlie. You guys are going to love it. It's so cool. I cannot wait to get my hands on one. And so what's the future? Do you think the EU will, will stick around after COVID? I, I think so. I think the EU will, will still be here. Um, maybe maybe the, the, world ha- the World Health Organization will have a tougher time. But uh, I think the EU, the EU will still be here. A lot of people are thinking that um, this potentially could be like a Eurosceptic situation, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I agree with that right now. I think that the world is in a very interesting place, but it's interesting because I'm already seeing uh, here in Florida, uh, there's a restaurant that said next week they're going to open up outdoor seating. So uh, where, where are you right now? Where are you isolating from? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Budapest, Hungary. I'm in my, in oh, my so house there now. and uh, I've been home for the, like the last, I think 35, maybe 40 days even, um, you know, I'm, I'm really ready to get back to the road. Um, although it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I've been traveling a lot, as you know, and, and, and you as well, um, people who are used to traveling and, and work in a, in, in an industry, which is, which is the crypto industry. That's so, uh, distributed and, and we're all over the world. Like, you know, just today I had a call with someone who was in Ukraine. And then later I had a call with someone who was in Tokyo. And, you know, now I think you're in Florida. I mean, this is, this is what really, you know, gets me going. The, uh, like borders are imaginary lines. So They're stupid. <laughs> borders are so dumb. They, they are stupid. And, and, you know, I love this industry because there are no borders really. Um, there are no, there like, it's like, we're just all in it together and, and we can have, we can have business together and you can be in one part of the world. I can be on the other part of the world and still talk about crypto and still talk about interesting things, uh, that connects us together. Um, so but yeah, getting back to the question, I'm here in Budapest, really looking forward to to have this whole Corona thing over, so I can be back on the road and and meet my friends and different events and and do things. So, how's your quarantine? Where are you on the Where are you on the spectrum of of coronavirus being like um, a crazy epidemic that we have to sit home for for the next year, or 
Are you a protester right now saying we need to end the lockdown? Uh, how uh, do you, how do your civil liberty, you know, your crypto anarchism, like feelings fall into place here? Do you think there is a, you know, spot for big brother, even in emergency situations or no? I, oh man, that's a tough one. It's I mean, hard. On, it's so hard because on, on <laughs> one hand, I do understand that it's important to stay home. Um, but on the other hand, like if they're not going to be able to get this shot, uh, delivered on time so that people can take the shot and, 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 and have immunity for this, for this virus, then I think everyone is, is going to get it right. Because like, you cannot just have a whole world on lockdown because, you know, maybe millions of people are going to be dying because of the virus, but how many millions of people are going to be dying because they have no job and no food? Yeah, that's the fear. Right? And so on one hand, I do understand that the curve needs to be flattened so that the healthcare system can take care of us. That's one thing I understand. But on the other hand, you know, it, okay, it's flattened now. The healthcare system is fine, but how long is it going to be that way? We are going to have to open things up and and then the curve is going to go back back up. So, I mean, I I I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know the answer to that and and I'm I'm also really skeptical about how the governments are are really uh dealing with this. Um and and the fact that this was not something that they could have seen coming. So we're talking about all these governments with all these, you know, fancy three-letter agencies, the big brother, yeah. you know, listening to this conversation, I'm sure, um, looking at our chats, looking at our phone calls and, and everything. Like, if they're so good at what they're doing, like, how, that, how come that they were not really knowing that there was going to be something of this magnitude? You know, I just have hard. I just have a hard time to put my head around it. Like on one hand, they're so smart and they're like watching us, but on the other hand, oh, okay, here's this virus, and now we're super surprised. You know, like it just doesn't add up for me. Well, very, you know, that's you? a very good point. I never thought about <laughs> right. You know, I never thought about that. That <clears throat> they've been tracking us for so long. How could they have not known about it? how how could how could the world have been caught with their pants down? Right? It doesn't make any exactly. sense. Exactly, and, and as you know, this is not the first pandemic ever. Right. We have had more money. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, they they did they just simply did not have the right plans in place. And and like and also we're talking about China. Like, you know, Trump keeps talking about China, 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 trade deals here, trade deals there, China, you know, becoming a country that's like uh, you know, a huge, huge power. Uh I mean, if it's if it's such a big power and if it's such a big threat not only to the US, but also to the rest of the world. And how come that we were not, you know, watching them more closely? Um, how come that we, you know, we as the world or we as, you know, countries intelligence, you know, like they're blaming China on one hand that, oh, they, they just didn't tell us for like about a month. Well, okay, China is like that. Like, it's no surprise that they don't like to, they don't like to tell the world and inform the world about what's going on there. But like, I mean, come on. Um, I can't believe that they had no people on the ground in China knowing that something was wrong, right? So, yeah. you know, you ask what's the role for governments in this situation? Well, you know, I, I wish their role was a lot better. 
preventing this because now their role is to try to force us to do things that we may not want to do or a lot of people don't want to do. And they're just, they're just labeling. We'll, we'll tell you what to do because, you know, it's for your own good. If you don't do it, of course, you know, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you and you will get arrested. So like, uh, I just, I just really don't buy it, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can because I, I'm not because they're asking me, but because I think, you know, it's the best thing that I can do for my family. I don't want my, my moms and my, my dad to get sick because of me. So, you know, I'm doing what I can and I'm happy make to your be own there. decisions. Exactly. Follow the best world, yeah. But I would like to be able to make my own decisions and not being forced into a situation, which a lot of Americans are right now. Uh, and that's and that's not good. It's weird. Americans are showing their. It's weird. It's polarizing because where where I live, it's very like. So where I live in, here in Florida. The whole state is very uh, free, freedom oriented, liberty oriented. But uh, the way our the way our state was built and power structure was run is that the power is is, is the power is really at the local levels. Your city commission. You know, we don't have like a a mayor per se, a one person who leads our city, our city actually is, it's amazing. Our city is run like a company. Our city has a five person commission and the commission, uh, hires a CEO and he's a city manager and our city manager has literally run our city for 40 years. So he is apolitical and our city runs like a business extremely efficiently. And the governor of our state and the president even allow is allowing like our city to make its own decisions on like when to reopen and things like that. And so in our county as well. So I like that where we live here, it's very like that. But up north, especially New England, like New York and, and all those states, they're very like, oh my God, we need the big brother government, like tell us what to do, when to do it, how to do it. It's like so radically different. I can't believe I ever lived in New York. I can't believe I'm from New York. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing for me to say it. Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, in a lot of times it's just easy to say, well, I don't want to make any decisions because then I'm not going to be reliable. I want to jump back into um I want to jump back into into Bitcoin because it's so easy to digress, right? Um we were talking alluding to the whole like saga civil war bullshit and so I don't know if you've noticed so I'm always like paying attention to things now. And one of the things I've noticed is like a lot of the people that were on the fringe, not fringe, but like the more radical folks I don't know if you've noticed, but they've almost like not retreated, but like disappeared from being on top of uh, like like the leaders of the voices of the industry. And that's from both sides. So like a lot of like like the trolls who like work for Blockstream, like they're not being paid anymore. You know, then you have like on on the well, well, but don't, don't you think it's because the Bitcoin cash side as well has gotten less hostile, like things have like that's gone away. And it's, it's kind of refreshing. Um, yeah. Um, what I, were you going to say? No, I, I was I was just gonna say about Blockstream. I'm, I'm like, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I'm like, I'm just super I'm just super uh, disappointed about Blockstream and and you people can say you know both sides uh, did their um, fair amount of mistakes, but uh, especially Blockstream, who were just talking about the Lightning Network and how amazing that is, and that's you know it's it's going to get us to the next level from a payment perspective. I think I think they're actually really, really. Um, I think the the biggest reason why they have disappeared is because it's not ready. Um, don't you think it's it's because you know they don't have a product that really works? There's no doubt that Blockstream. There's no doubt, and anyone who admits to you differently is wrong. There's no doubt that Blockstream 
uh, paid shills and and marketing companies. There's no doubt that Blockstream uh, is fin- is financially and business incentivized to go towards a more lightning sidechain peg chain approach than like a larger blocks approach, right? There, there's no doubt that they were, they are and were the most financially incentivized. But on the flip side, there's no doubt that on on the other side, the parties uh, that were pushing for for you know bigger blocks or whatever it was also had like the same financial incentives. I'm I'm in a very fortunate position, and I'll tell you why, dude. I I went to jail when this was all like starting. So I rem- so like the New York agreement, I didn't even know about it yeah. um, until after. Uh, um, you know the the whole like Gavin losing the key, all these things I didn't learn about till way after they happened. So I had to go back and like talk to everyone and say like, what the hell happened? So and Charlie, when, like- when you said when you said that you know Blockstream has an incentive um, to limit the block size because of the Lightning Network and how they can, you know, make money from the Lightning but, Network. But wait, let me, I, I know what you're going to, but then can I just my, finish question my, is, my question is yeah. like, how, what's the incentive for people supporting the bigger blocks? Like, how can you make money if there are like bigger blocks? Like, that's, that's just something I don't understand. Meaning, well, I, I kind of understand and I'll, and to finish the thought on that, you're right in, in that they, there was like a financial incentive so what I try to do is like take those incentives away and look at this as more of a technical uh, thing and talk to people who have scaled different technologies on both sides. And so I think they all agree that what should have happened was a mixture of both. And I think that like a lot of people agree that there was a bottleneck at the time and that a block size, a, 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 a precedent for a block size. Now, this is not my opinion. I'm just telling you what the, right. the common denominator is. I've had almost a hundred people on the show. Um, is that a, a, a like block size increase to temporarily, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, unclog this, you know, memory pool. Um, but a lot, then on a lot of other people were, you know, have shown me proof that the memory pool was incorrectly clogged, but, I'm also not an economist, so I can't give you the whole socioeconomic like, like side and, and argument to things. So I guess I, what I'm I trying to say remember, is, I clearly remember when when we started the whole blockchain debate. Yeah, our our perspective was we just need to kick the can down the road. We have no problem with Lightning Network, but since it's not proven, since it's ready, why don't we just have like a two megabyte block and 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 make sure that we have and we give enough time for those people to Do you know what the, the issue was? Network. The Black Swan event was Craig Wright. That's that's what I think. I think that if if Craig Wright didn't come into the fold, no one even knew who he was. If it never if the name never even existed in the first place, if that never even came to light, we'd be in a very different place today. Well, but uh, I think he that didn't was come into the, the picture when the when they 2016 came. though. Well, I just think that the uh, he came into the picture, as far as I remember, after the New York agreement, like way after. So the New York agreement didn't go through because of him. From what I understand, the New York agreement didn't not go through, but it also didn't like it. It nothing ever came from it, and then it was just it was it was all miscommunication. It was all like people politics, and and it was more about not about the block size debate, but it was more about like what the future of Bitcoin is going to be. And, and, and also more about was very egos unfortunate. as well. Yeah, and it's very unfortunate. And it's a shame because a lot of people like like radicalize themselves and it's, it, on, on both sides, and it's a shame. Agreed. But yeah. I guess Agreed. it's here nor there, nothing you can do. But I, 
my, the reason I brought this all up, dude, is because it was actually, I was trying to make like a happy point and say that in my opinion, a lot of those like super, like the ones who are like making it personal attacks, you know, like personal attacks, you don't see that a lot anymore. So my, so my question to you is, my question to you is what's the future relationship between the, the various communities in cryptocurrency? So what do you think that the future relationship between all these various communities, like the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin cash community, take Reddit away, take our BTC, our Bitcoin, take all that away. Forget all that. What's the relationship between all the communities? Um, in what time frame are you thinking? Over the next few years, like, do you think we can move closer to a, 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 a multi, like a multi coin or a plurality world in our industry where there's without hostility? Do you think? Actually, I, I, think, where- I think we can. And, and the reason to that be- is, is because back in the day when we were talking about this, um, we mostly had Bitcoin, um, Litecoin, and a, and, a, and a few others. If you look at the industry today and you go on to CoinMarketCap, um, there are like, let's see how many thousands of coins it's it's absolutely you are one insane. of these people that i that i i look at as uh logical and level-minded so while i may not agree with you on a lot of things i feel like we can still have important conversations and debates I, and so and I, I was I, happy I'm, when you told yeah. me like you were you were become the ceo of bitcoin.com because you know like i don't know if you remember but so right now, if you go to Bitcoin.com, right, and you go to buy Bitcoin on the top right, yeah. now it's great because when you click buy Bitcoin, it get, it's very clearly explains the difference between Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Cash. And if you want to label Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core, I don't have a problem with that. It's your fucking website. Do whatever you want. So The, the issue was, <laughs> no, I don't care. The issue was that people had, and this, it's a good example of how like more prevalent minds are, 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 are running the show now. It used to be that when you'd buy Bitcoin and I have screenshots or whatever, it would go into like buying Bitcoin cash almost automatically. And a lot of people were angry about that. And it's good to see that that was changed. But I yeah, guess I mean, I'm using look, that look, as Charlie, a parallel. I, I, know, to- I know where you're coming from. And uh, um, I know a lot of people said that we tried to, to trick people. and Not we, on purpose, though. I don't think you did yeah, it on purpose. No, we did not. That's my we, point. We definitely did not. And and I, you know, I, I didn't want to jump the gun, but um, we are actually going to be, uh, stop calling Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Core. Um, wow. Yeah. So um, now that you brought it up, I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, I, I think- Is that like an internal conversation that you guys had or, or why- well, this is interesting. So, I mean, here's the thing. Not a lot of companies call Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Core. So it's mostly Bitcoin.com and maybe maybe a few others. Um, but if you, you know, we don't want, we don't want to, uh, to mislead anyone, right? And if you download the Bitcoin.com wallet and, and you see Bitcoin Core and you want to send Bitcoin BTC to someone else and you're a newbie, you're going to be, you're going to be, you know, struggling. Okay, well, I have Bitcoin Core and I'm sending Bitcoin. Like everyone is telling me that there's, you know, there's problem between the two. Uh, you know, you cannot send Bitcoin Cash to Bitcoin uh, BTC, and you can you shouldn't be sending Bitcoin to Ethereum. Like, you know, this whole this whole industry is still complicated, and we don't want further complication for a. I for agree, a new and I think, and that's why and I agree, we, and I think we are that- going to be stopping. We're going to be stop using Bitcoin Core, and we're just going to call Bitcoin. BTC and Bitcoin Cash BCH going forward 
you were it was almost like limiting uh, Bitcoin Cash's ability to be to stand on its own because let's go back to the to the to the economic conversation we were having earlier. There is a great economic um, theory that Bitcoin Cash could work better as cash. Like there, there's no reason we're in a we're in a world of experimentation. And I love Bitcoin. I'm diehard Bitcoin, born and raised, permable, ride or die, life or death. That doesn't mean I can't own other coins. And when 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 Bitcoin Cash and the, and I've noticed the community when the community of Bitcoin Cash calmed down and the community of Bitcoin calmed down. And and re, and hopefully starts and has started and start continues attacking each other. Both coins can stand on their own two feet. And the people that are still attacking Bitcoin Cash today, Mate, because right now you've made this decision to let Bitcoin Cash stand on its own feet and be its own coin and and be separate from Bitcoin. That's amazing. So anyone today that still comes to you and attacks Bitcoin Cash. Those people are not doing it with the right intentions because those people that are attacking Bitcoin Cash are going to be coming to it um, with different agenda than you and I would think. I agree, and and actually we started this whole this whole topic by what do you think about you know the future for the for the different. Um, 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 People within the industry, so Bitcoin Cash people, Bitcoin people, and Litecoin and Ripple and Binance and whatnot. How is the community all going to come together? Will it come together? And my answer is yes, I think they will. As you already said, you know, um, some people are already coming down. There's less fighting, which is which is absolutely amazing. But we, there's no question in my mind that the future is a multi-coin world, right? Um, People who are interested in crypto are not only interested in Bitcoin, but are not only interested in Bitcoin Cash. They're also interested in uh, Ethereum. They're also interested in Dash. They're also interested in some other coins. So if you take if you take the crypto land and and you can cherry pick your your favorites, like I'm a big fan of uh, you know Cardano. I love Dash. I love Monero. And there's like a bunch of coins that I love. Why do I only have to make one? one choice right and i think that the you know the 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 reason to that why this whole industry is going to come together is because people will actually realize that every coin has its function right so right now the narrative really goes towards bitcoin being a store of value and bitcoin cash is 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 the one that you know is meant to be for peer-to-peer electronic cash system. It can be a cash for every day. And there are, you know, there are other coins like utility coins. Um, there is Ethereum. And you should you should have it all. Yeah, and I wanted to, all the coins have pros and cons too. So while Bitcoin could be, have slower blocks, it may be uh, more, have more miners or, or, sorry, let me take a step back here. All coins have pros and cons that you have to make a decision when you use them. Um, and I think that because of this, there'll be a usage for all coins. For example, well, I don't, I'm not using, I don't like to use Ripple as an example. <laughs> I'm not going to use <laughs> Ripple as an example. But there are some coins that are more decentralized than others. So we talk about, when you were saying about like bigger blocks, like what would be the issue of bigger blocks? The bigger issue of bigger blocks is centralization of mining power. But I will tell you that Bitcoin Cash proves something to the whole community when there was the BSV BCH split, you know, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision yeah. or whatever. And that proof was, hey, Bitcoin Cash wants to be its own independent decentralized coin. And I think the proof was saying, hey, 
We may not be as decentralized as Bitcoin today, but we want to be on the path to decentralization. And I think that was the message. And is that accurate? Well, the, on the path to decentralization part, more of like, we want to be decentralized, where I felt like BSV was saying we don't want to be. This I is would more say of like that a, was more like a fight of egos um, yes. behind it. So I wouldn't say that was, I think that's the outcome, right? But, but the, reason is, the reason was really just the fight of egos. And and I I'm I'm really glad that actually that fork happened and uh, and 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 those guys went their way. Um, you know I I wish them good luck um, to their you know to their coin or whatever they're up to today. But uh, I just I think that the biggest up to today the biggest challenge that we have for crypto is really the minds and and the ego. They can they can like they can destroy everything. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's the weakest point for crypto today in, in, my, in my book. The developers. Uh, Funny story about Roger. I used to say, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, because uh, I was religious growing up, and, and Roger would come to me and say, <laughs> no, it's from your mouth to the ears of the Magic Sky people. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's a good but, one. Um, Good luck on, on everything. And I want to continue, you know, we should have you back on the show soon. Congratulations on becoming CEO. You probably have a lot of, you know, work ahead of you. And, um, but I've, I have a lot of faith and, um, I'm excited for the future and please stay healthy and, and, and your family and, and the whole Bitcoin.com team. Thank you, Charlie, so much for having me. It was a great conversation. I think we always had great conversations. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we can have our differences, and we can, you know, look at look at the crypto world or the crypto politics differently. But you know, at the end of the day, we're always happy to see each other, and we can have a great conversation. And I respect your views. Um, and um, congrats to the show, and keep going. I would love to be back soon. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you in person again soon. We're going to have a good time. I'll talk to you later. Sounds Ciao. good. Bye, Charlie. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Untold Stories are released every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 a.m. EST on untoldstories.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of Blockworks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offert. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember... Please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers and information is power.